1: EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL index and Anfield index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a TAD predictable hosted by Tadiwa Good boys and girls, welcome along to the show on Friday, the 11th of November. The World Cup is just around the corner. The last round of Premier League games is right on our doorstep. Before we get to those, we're going to run through some of the World Cup squad announcements, a little bit of news. We've got some Caribou Cup to talk about as well. I feel like I need to rant a little bit about the England squad because Gareth Southgate, The man just needs to go once this tournament is over. He is not fit to manage one of the major international teams. He just isn't. Let's look at the Carabao Cup first, though. Manchester United 4, Aston Villa 2 at Old Trafford last night. Oli Watkins puts Villa 1 up. That lead lasts about 60 seconds. Anthony Martial equalises. At Diogo Delo, own goal on 61 puts Villa back in front. But then, the powers that be. And by powers that be, I mean Robin Olsen, Callum Chambers and Tyron Mings gather together and enable Manchester United to just tear Villa apart for the last 20 minutes of this game. Rashford scores, it's two all. Bruno Fernandes scores after a horrendous Olsen error. It is 3-2 to United. And then Scott McTominay scoring on 91 minutes. It's a really good ball from Garnacho and a really good run by McTominay. But what on earth is Mings doing? Why is Olsen stuck to his line? This is absolutely appalling stuff. Villa deserved to go out based on what they put forward last night. They started well, but they were a mess in defence the entire time. The midfield didn't work purely because of John McGinn being so poor. I thought Ramsey, Luis and Kamara had good moments. I thought Ings and Watkins caused United United problems. I thought Augustinson's was about the only one of the Villa defenders that comes out of this with any credit. Young was poor. Konza was poor. Chambers was awful. Mings was awful when he came on for Konza. Olsen was dreadful. And McGinn was dreadful. Absolutely dreadful stuff. So Villa out, United through, and we have the draw. It is Wolves versus Gillingham. So you would expect Wolves to win that game. Would be quite the embarrassment if they didn't. Southampton versus Lincoln. Again, you'd expect Saints to go through there. Blackburn versus Forest should be good. You know, bottom end of the table, Forest, Top end of the championship, Blackburn. Blackburn at home. Wouldn't surprise me if Blackburn pulled off another upset there. Uh, Newcastle versus Bournemouth, you'd expect the Toon to win at home. Manchester City versus Liverpool, we'll come back to that one. Manchester United versus Burnley. Vincent company led Burnley top of the championship, going to be at full strength, whereas United will be without their World Cup players. Wouldn't put that one down as a banker. Uh, there's a real possibility of a shock there. MK Domes versus Leicester. You'd expect Leicester even away to win that one. And Charlton versus Brighton. And again, you'd expect Brighton, even though they'll be without a couple of players at the World Cup, to win that one. So the big marquee game is obviously Manchester you know, Manchester City versus Liverpool. Now, we've all laughed for years about the scandalously easy draws that City have gotten in these domestic cups. But this year, they start off with Chelsea and then Liverpool. And this Liverpool game is much tougher than it would even seem when you look at who the teams will be without Liverpool will be without Trent Ebu Van Dijk Henderson Fabinho Alisson and Darwin Nunes so seven players six who matter Allison, Trent, Canate, Van Dijk, Fabinho and Darwin. Six who matter. City will be without Ederson, Walker, Laporte, Diaz, Canseo. So their goalkeeper and their entire backline. Both of their centre-backs, Ake and Akanji, both gone to the World Cup. So they'll have Ortega in goal, Gomez at left back, probably young Rico Lewis at right back, and God knows who at centre back. In midfield, they'll have Rodri at the World Cup, Gundogan at the World Cup, Bernardo Silva at the World Cup, and Kevin De Bruyne at the World Cup. So... And Calvin Phillips also at the World Cup. So, all of their midfield at the World Cup. So, who knows who'll play in midfield for them? Cole Parmer probably going to have to drop in. And then Jack Grealish, Julian Alvarez, and Phil Foden all at the World Cup. So, they're going to have Mares, Haaland, and a bunch of kids. And that's about it. The, the goalkeeper is a senior player, Ortega. He's 29 or whatever. But other than that, it is going to be kids. Whereas Liverpool can roll out Kelleher, who'd play anyway, Ramsey, who'd probably play anyway, Matip Gomez. No problem starting those two. Start those two in any game. They'll have Robertson and Simicus available at left back. They'll have Nabi Keita and Thiago available in midfield. So it's just a matter of who that third midfielder is. They'll also have Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, James Milner, Alex Oxley, Chamberlain, all available. Now, not all of those are good things, but they're all available. And then in attack, they'll have Salah, they'll have Firmino, they'll have Diaz, they'll have Carvalho. Liverpool are going to have a much stronger team available than Manchester City. Liverpool have won the last three games between the two sides. Uh, This is a great chance for them to make it four from four. Those games will be played on... They will be played two days after the World Cup final. The week commencing the 19th of December. Should be fun. Should be fun. Right, let's get into some squad announcements. Uh, Spain have named their squad. Unai Simon, Robert Sanchez and David Rea as the goalkeepers. Wouldn't fill you with great joy. Uh, In defence, Aspilicueta and Carvial are the right backs. That's rough. Eric Garcia. If anyone can tell me how he's in this squad, I'd love to know. Uh Hugo Guillemot. How Torres, Emerick Laporte as the centre-backs. You've got two centre-backs there that you can start, Torres and Laporte, and they're both left-footed. Uh, Guillemot is better as a sixth than he is as a centre-back. And then Jordi Alba and Jose Gea uh, or Jose Gayà as the left-backs. Uh, Jordi Alba has been washed for a couple of years. That's a really, really poor group of defenders. There's two good defenders there in Torres and Laporte I do like Guillemot, but I prefer him as a six. Um, Jose Guy has gone off the boil. Alba's washed. is washed. Danny Carvial can turn it on for one or two big games every six games, but this is going to be a big ask for him in a World Cup. Uh, In midfield, Busquets, who I can see why he's there, but if we're basing it on form, he, he shouldn't be there. Rodri, no issue. Gavi, no issue. Carlos Soler, he's playing well. Uh, Marcus Lorente has not had a good season. Uh, Pedri, of course. And Koke, who I really like, but is a little bit past his best. And then in attack, the it's Ferran Torres, Nico Williams, Jeremy Pino. I like all three of them. I think they're all very exciting young players, as is Ansu, Ansu Fati. So they've got four really exciting young players kind of wide forwards there. They've got Dani Almo, who I like. Pablo Sarabia, who's bang average on a good day. Marco Asensio, who's been garbage for like four years since he tore his ACL, but is in a good run of form at the minute. But I mean, I don't don't know. And Alvaro Morata, that's your only number nine in the squad is Alvaro Morata. Spain are not winning the World Cup. They're not winning the World Cup. And they may struggle to get out of the group. If Japan performed to their best level, Spain might struggle to get out of the group. Uh, No Thiago in that squad. Thiago is better than any of those midfielders, and he's not in the squad. That is ridiculous. Um, Senegal have named their squad. Sene Diang. Alfred Gomez and Eduard Mendy are the goalkeepers. Foda Baloture, Pape Abdusisse, Abdu Diallo, Ishmael Jacobs, Kaladu Koulibaly, Promos Mendy, and Yusuf Sabala, Sabali rather, are the defenders. No real surprises there. Pate Sise, Pate Sise, it might be. There's no E, so I'm guessing Pate Sise. Crepin Diata, really talented. Idrissa gay, Pape Gay. Check Koyate, Mamadou Loam Ndai. That's the kid at Reading. He's good. Uh Nampalis Mendy, Mustafa Name, and Pape Matar Sar, the young midfielder at Spurs, who's super talented. Uh Bula Dia, Tamara Didio, who I'm not familiar with, he's a, a Lanya Spore. Bamba Diang, who I like, Nicholas Jackson, who is playing very, very well this season. Sadio Mane is included in the squad despite his injury. Ilaman Ndea, who's sensationally good for Sheffield United, and Ismael Assar, who we all know. It's really good to see a good championship representation in the squad. Like you've got Sar, you've got Ndea, they're both really good. Uh, you've got Ndea, who's at Reading, uh, that's it, isn't it? No, you've got uh, Dieng, sorry, the goalkeeper as well. So good championship representation there. They won't win it, but they're going to be a tough out. They will be a tough out. Uh, I don't have them coming out of the group, I have to say, um, especially with the Mane news, but you never know. You never know. They're really well organized and they play really hard for each other. Like, there's never a doubt that the Senegalese are going to let their heads drop or anything like that. They're always, always, always going to give everything for the team. Uh, the Dutch have named their squad as well. Um, Bijlo, Noppert, and Pasfier are the goalkeepers. That's a bit grim if we're being honest, that's a bit grim. Uh, if pass fear is starting, that's really grim. Nathan Aki, Daley Blind, Virgil Van Dyke, Denzel Dumfries, Jeremy Frimpong, delighted to see him in, Matthias DeLict, Terrell Malashia, Julian Timber and Stefan De Vries. So, there's only really one left wing-back option there, but Daley Blind could play there in a pinch, but i, I and in fact, Daily Blind probably will play there because I don't think he'll start Malaysia. Now, what it allows them is it allows Timber Van Dyke Aki with Dumfries and Blind, and it allows them to flex to flex from a back five into a back four with Dumfries moving forward. Midfield, Stephen Berghouse, Cranky Deyong Davy Classen, two and coop miners. Martin Darun, Javi Simmons, great to see him called up, and Kenneth Taylor. No spot for Ryan Gravenberch, who must be regretting that summer move to Bayern Munich. He had better options. That's what he chose. That's what he lives with. Stephen Bergvine, Memphis Depay, Cody Gakpo, former Spurs legend Vincent Janssen, Luke de Jong, Noah Lang, and Veghorst are the forwards. It wouldn't inspire confidence, but that team could be great defensively. The issue is they don't have a good goalkeeper. And the Portuguese squad also out. Diogo Costa, Rui Patricio, and Jose Sain. Jao Canseo, Diogo Delos, de lot Um, Ruben Diaz, Rafa Guerrero, Nuno Mendes, Pepe. This will be his last international tournament. Good to see him getting an opportunity to have a farewell. Uh, Danilo Pereira, who I, I just wouldn't be for me at all. And Antonio Silva, who's very much for me, the young kid at Benfica. I, I think he is going to be absolutely outrageously good. Uh, in midfield, William Carvalho, Bruno Fernandes, João Mario, Ruben Neves. Matthias Nunes, Otavio, Joao Palhinha, Bernardo Silva and Vitinha. No Renato Sanchez is probably the big news there. In attack, Joao Felix, Ricardo Horta, Rafael Leao, Goncalo Ramos, Cristiano and Andre Silva. Horta I assume is the one they've brought in to replace Jota. Um That would be a better group with Jota instead of Cristiano in terms of the whole squad because it would have real balance and they wouldn't be playing just for his benefit. He is going to... that. That is, I believe, a World Cup winning squad, but he will spoil it. Like, if you could line up would Costa in goal, but it will be Patricio, but it should be Costa in goal. Kinsale at right-back, Guerrero at left-back, Diaz and Silva, frankly, at centre-back. And then I would look at, say, And Matthias Nunez, Ruben Neves, Bernardo Silva, midfield three. With Joe Felix, Rafael Leão, and probably Goncalo Ramos. Felix behind the other two. I think that could be a World Cup winning squad. That squad, that team, that's... Going to be there for the next World Cup, and with a bit of luck, Cristiano won't be, and Portugal can finally fulfill the potential in their squad. Um, shame for Renato Sanchez that he didn't make it, and obviously, big shame for Jota, uh, Kincalo Guedes, and João Matinho. I thought would make the squad. I, I thought Matinho would be in, I thought he would be in over Vitinha. Um, It would have been his farewell as well, but he's not getting it. So tough for him. Um, There's a couple of good articles I want to draw your attention to. One is on the BBC website, which is World Cup 1982, Brazil versus Italy, and the day football died. Uh, It's a bit of a longer read. Really, really good piece. Give that a read. It's absolutely outstanding. And the other one I saw was on These Football Times. Give me one second. To be fair, everything on These Football Times is is absolutely brilliant. But there's a piece entitled The Shaping of Thomas Frank in the Early Years at Bromby. Absolutely excellent. Give that a read. Uh, I'd also recommend the piece on Edmundo, which is, is great. And there is a piece on Andre Pierre Gignac and the Mexican Revolution. Give that a read. There is just so much good stuff there on these football times. It's impossible to really um, just pick one piece. The story of Viali and Mancini. I read that a few few days ago. Uh, Give that a read as well. That's actually an older piece. Give that a read, though. It's excellent. Absolutely excellent. Uh, but that that piece on uh, Thomas Frank, that is the one I would recommend. It's actually months old, which I, I don't know how I missed it before. But it's really, really good. So give it a read. Um, bad news for Lester and really bad news for James. Justin, he has ruptured his Achilles tendon and his season is over. He is not long back from a torn ACL. Came back in January from a torn ACL, having missed 11 months. And now he suffers this injury. That's the second Achilles tear that a Leicester fullback has had this season. Ricardo Pereira had his in preseason, I suppose, but that's really, really bad luck. Um, the England squad, the England squad, while we're so went over the England squad yesterday and not really going to argue with the goalkeepers, Pickford, Pope, Ramsdale. I mean, they're all very, very average, as is Dean Henderson. They're all average goalkeepers. There's nothing special about any of them. Some idiot on Sky asked uh, Jordan Pickford, is this the most talented group of goalkeepers England have ever had? Uh, what are you talking about? what are you talking about? We're not all that far removed from David Seaman, Tim Flowers and Nigel Martin, all of whom were much, much better, especially Seaman, obviously, much, much better than any of these buffoons. Like Ian Walker was as good as these lads and he was a distant fourth choice back then. David James was as good, if not better, than any of these. And he was fourth or fifth choice. Like how on earth? could you look at those three and think, oh yeah, that's a great group. Like England at one point had Peter Shilton, Ray Clements and Joe Corrigan. Shilton and Clements at the time were probably two of the four best goalkeepers on the planet. None of Pickford, Pope and Ramsdale were even among the five best goalkeepers in the Premier League, let alone the best in the world. Dreadful, absolutely dreadful. What really annoyed me was the comment from Southgate about Tammy Abraham and why he didn't pick him. He said he's not been in good form. He's not been in good form. Kyle Walker has been out for months after surgery. There's no guarantee guarantee he's going to be fit. What's his form like? John Stones can't get a game at City at centre-back. He plays right back for them more often than not. And he hasn't been very good. Harry Maguire has been dreadful for about 18 months now. Can't get a game at United at centre-back or anywhere, really. Uh, Eric Dyer has been fairly poor this season for Tottenham. Kieran Trippier is in in good form for the Toon, so that's fine. Luke Shaw, garbage last season. Poor to start this season. He's had a good two or three games recently, but he's barely played. Trent, awful form. Awful. Connor Cody's playing okay because Wolves are parking the bus and it suits him. Ben White's in the squad, but what is he in the squad as? Is he a fourth right back or is he a centre back? Because if he's a centre back, he can't get a game for Arsenal at centre-back. And he wasn't particularly good there last year. Yet, Ficayo Tamori, who's been outstanding for Milan for 18 months, not in the squad. Mark Gwehi, outstanding for Palace, not in the squad. Like If this was being picked on form and merit... Either Trippier or Kyle Walker-Peters would be the right-back. Tariq Mitchell would probably be the left-back. And Tamori Gwehi would be the centre-backs. Jordan Henderson hasn't played well since before the pandemic. The last time you can find Jordan Henderson having a run of good games was pre-pandemic. And he has been awful... For 18 months now, like genuinely certifiably awful. Declan Rice, no problem. Mason Mount's been a little bit iffy this season, if we're all being honest. Calvin Phillips has played 54 minutes this season. Now, I don't have a problem with him going based on the makeup of the rest of the squad, but you can't argue he's in form. He hasn't played. Jude Bellingham, no problem. Conor Gallagher's been very hit and miss this season. And more missed than hit. Raheem Sterling has been poor. Marcus Rashford has been fairly poor. Grealish has been dreadful. No issue with Kane, Saka, Foden or James Madison. No real issue with with Callum Wilson either. But you're not going to tell me that Callum Wilson's a better player than Tammy Abraham or Ivan Toney. And you're not gonna tell me he's in better form than Ivan Tony. So as I said before, I think Ivan Tony was gonna to be left out because of the investigation into gambling. There's just no argument that Tammy Abraham shouldn't be in this squad, though. If Tony's left out, Abraham should be going. You're you're telling me this is the best squad available. I'm really happy Madison's been called up, but it's worth pointing out. James Madison hasn't played for England in three years and has one cap. And if it was a 23-man squad, he wouldn't be going. Neither would Conor Gallagher. And I wouldn't imagine Ben White would be either. Now, obviously, Chilwell and Rhys James, if they were fifth, would be in the squad. But it's still no excuse for some of this squad. And Look, when you look at people like Tyron Mings has 17 caps for England. Yeah, there's a a great point. Trent Alexander-Arnold would not be in this squad if Rhys James and Chilwell were fit. In fact, if it was 23 men, Trent is probably the one that misses out, not Ben White. This is appalling. Now, there's not a whole lot of midfielders that you could make a real case for because England are just very, very light in midfield. But there's just no argument that Jordan Henderson should be in the squad. He's there because he's the vice captain. I keep hearing that Connor Cody's in the squad for his leadership, but I keep hearing that Henderson's in it for the same reason and that Maguire's in it for the same reason. How many leaders do you need? Can Harry Kane not do his job? I I don't remember when we had great captains in football. I never remember hearing about leadership groups or all these vice captains or any of this nonsense. Like if you had Carlos Puyol in your squad, you weren't bringing three other lads because they were good in the changing room. You weren't wasting squad spots on non-players. If I was Ivan Tony, who is yet to be capped by England, I would probably, I would probably start looking for an avenue into playing for another, another country. Uh, he's got the option to go and play for Jamaica. Now, I don't know what interest level he has in that but they've got a decent enough team. You know, there's a fair amount of talent there in Leon Bailey, Michael Antonio, Jamal Lowe. These are all good players. Uh, Johnson Clark Harris. He's a good player. Corey Burke is a good player. Cameron Lacey's decent. Bobby D Cordova-Reed. Ravel Morrison still kicking about. Uh, Junior Fleming's at Toulouse. He's a decent player. Omari Hutchinson, super, super talented. There's a a decent squad there. There's a decent squad. Ethan Pinnock, his teammate. There's a decent squad there waiting to happen under the right manager. Um, Whether that is... Heimer Halgrimson, there's an Icelandic man managing the Jamaican national team. It might be the funniest thing I've seen today. Um, But that England squad is is a bit of a shambles. It's a bit of a shambles. And if they had a tougher group, I'm not sure it would make it out of the group. Kane doesn't perform in international tournaments. He gets tap-ins and penalties. Teams cut off the supply of tap-ins and penalties. He doesn't perform. Sterling does. Sterling loves the big scenes, the big international uh, games. Grealish is a non-event. Rashford's largely a non-event. I don't know that Saka and Foden will get in the team. I would be surprised if his preferred starting 11 isn't Pickford, Walker, Stones, Maguire, Trippier, Rice, Phillips if fit and Shaw. One of Mount or Bellingham. And then Kane and Sterling. I'd be surprised if that's not the team he wants to play. I think he wants Calvin Phillips in the team next to Rice. So seven defensive players. Well, Rice isn't really a defensive player, but Phillips is. Three attacking players. And Declan Rice. That's basically what he wants. Because he's a coward. Right. We'll do the gossip. Borussia Dortmund are confident of keeping Jude Bellingham. And I'm confident someone is going to knock at my door today and hand me 5 million quid. Paris Saint-Germain are interested in Joe Felix and could try to sign him on loan. Would be the worst possible move. The worst possible move for him. That's a horrible place to go and develop. It would be obviously a lot of fun to see Felix and uh, Mbappe play together, but he's not getting in the team over Neymar because Neymar has a con- closeness contract that insists he plays, regardless of formally. And to be fair, he's playing really well this season. And Messi's going to play. Southampton will pay Championship side Luton Town more than $4 million in compensation for Nathan Jones. I still don't know what to make of that. I really don't know if that's the right appointment, but only time will tell. Uh, Roma will turn their attention to Hector Bellerin with Diogo Delo, now part of Manchester United's plans. Has anyone not, has anyone realised or has anyone not realised that Hector Bellerin is not very good? Like, he's currently at Barca, he's been dreadful, I wasn't overly impressed with him last year at Betis. He was garbage in his last couple of years at Arsenal. Like Since he tore his ACL, he doesn't have the same level of pace. And before that, all he had was pace. So I just I don't understand. Aston Villa will target an A-list forward in the January transfer market, with Pau Torres also of interest. So Pau Torres will be a huge upgrade on Ming's. An A-list Ford, if he wants a striker, Ivan Tony. Tony with Watkins off him, I think would be really, really strong. And then you go Ramsey and Buendia in those wider roles that go narrow when he goes from a flat four to a box, which is what he likes to do generally. And then uh, Emery, that is, and then Douglas Louise and Bubakar Camara. That's really strong. Cash, Conza, Torres, and Dina. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Conza needs to up the levels again, though. He's gone very much off the boil. And Emmy Martinez in gold. That's a real team. Emmy Martinez, Matt Cash, Ezri Conza, Pau Torres, Luca Dina, Jacob Ramsey. Douglas Luiz, Boubacar Camara, Emi Buendia, Ivan Tony, Ali Watkins. That's a real team. That's a top half Premier League team. Now, that's hundred million to for those two players. So, m- maybe unlikely though. The, these owners, they they've backed every other manager, and uh, Newcastle could allow, allow Memphis to pie. Sorry, what, Barcelona. Oh, I started reading one thing and then jumped to another. other. Barcelona could allow Memphis to to leave in January. Well, that's not a surprise. Newcastle want to sign Pau Torres, Yannick Carrasco and Nabil Fakir in the summer. So let's go through these one by one. Pau Torres is a left-footed centre-back who plays the same role as Sven Botman. That is nonsense. They're not looking to sign him. Uh, Yannick Carrasco... He's a good player. He's he's not a great player, but he's alright. 29 though, and a little bit of a questionable attitude. Uh, but he might fit quite well. Uh, in terms of playing style. I, I just don't see where Nabil Fakir would fit at all into how how has um into how Eddie Howe has Newcastle playing. So I'm gonna call nonsense on that one. Arsenal have made a bid for Mikhail Mudric. Uh, Benjamin Pavard is open to playing in a different country next season. He was linked with Chelsea during the summer transfer window. Okay, West Ham, Crystal Palace and QPR are all interested in signing Middlesbrough's 18-year-old academy midfielder Pharrell Willis. Tottenham will prioritise a right-sided wing-back and a backup striker in January. Uh, Crystal Palace should call them about Jed Spence. Um... Senegal will use witch doctors in attempts to help Sadio Mane recover from injury. Um, I wouldn't normally, but given this is the Daily Mail, I'm going to call a little bit of racism here. Alfonso Davies believes he will be fit for the World Cup after suffering a hamstring strain. Dominic Calvert-Lewin will see a specialist to find out the extent of his dislocated shoulder. Lampard says he won't need surgery, so that's good news. And former defender Gerard Piquet will run for the Barcelona presidency as he focuses on business ventures following his retirement. Uh, It's long been expected that he would run for the Barcelona presidency. I don't think that article is confirming anything. It's just feeding speculation. Uh, back after the break with Young Drinkle. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. Uh, I am joined by Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? I'm very good, Dave. How are you? I am outstanding. This is the last week of Premier League games before the World Cup, and uh, this break is absolutely needed if you are a Liverpool fan, so uh, we will enjoy it while we can.
0: Yes, we bloody well will. <laughs> um, but first off, uh, as usual, we have the half-12 game. I almost said we went back to normality there, but then I spotted a rogue 7.45 kickoff. so never mind that. Uh, we have half-12. We have Man City against Brentford, Dave. Um, I mean, before we get into the games, do you think any of these big teams who are in more comfortable positions, or even maybe the mid-table teams maybe in the most comfortable position, do you think they may rest or just reassure the players going to the World Cup and not pick them?
1: I think there might be one or two. I definitely think there'll be one or two who who won't want to play. I, I could see De Bruyne not wanting to play. Given his his history of injuries. Um, but I think they'll go as strong as they can. They are obviously at home and they'll want to go out on a bit of a high. Uh going into the game, City have Canseo back after suspension because he was allowed service suspension in the League Cup, which is just a nonsense. And Kyle Walker is obviously still out and He's going to the World Cup despite the fact that he won't have played since September. You know, that seems normal. Um Brentford. No Ayer, no Baptiste, no Jansen, no Stracotia, no Hickey. Janult is back, so that's good. And Charlie Good is out for maybe ever. Um, you'd have to make City strong favorites at home. Haaland is probably going to want, want to score a couple because, you know, he he has gone a little bit off the boil after the incredible start that he had. So I'll go with 3-1 City victory. Three, no, I'll go 3-0. Um, although Ivan Tony's going to be annoyed because he wasn't in the England squad. So I'll go 3-1. Um, Brentford haven't been great away from home. Yeah. So I'll go 3-1.
0: Yeah, I think if it was was at Brentford Stadium, it might be a tougher game, but yeah, away from home. It's not been pretty. Now, Dave, we get a repeat of a cup tie in the middle of the week. Obviously, very much a different game because they both rotated a bit in midweek. But Bournemouth, was it it 4-1 midweek? I think it was, yeah, um, winning 4-1 in the middle of the week. Do you think that impacts the game? Because, I mean, it pretty much shows Frank Lampard can't trust anyone beyond his first 11, really.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to have at least a psychological impact on some of these players because, you know, there will be a couple who have to play in both. And if you've been walloped by the same group of players at the same stadium four days previous, that's going to have to have some sort of impact. Uh, Everton, no Calvert-Lewin, no Townsend. Idrissa Gay is fit, but I don't think he'll play given the World Cup is on, on the horizon. And at his age, coming off a, a thigh issue, I don't think he'll play. Amadou Onana probably plays. He's fit again. Uh, Mason Holgate is a doubt, took an issue or took a knock on the knee. he probably will miss out and probably wouldn't have started anyway, for being honest. Um, no Chris Metham for Bournemouth that might be a bit of a blow because he has had a decent partnership going with Sinisi. Uh No David Brooks still, obviously no Lloyd Kelly Neto still out. And Jordan Zamora has a, has a bang on the leg, but he should be okay to play. Um, Lampard has three games in which he needs a win and a draw to match Gerrard's first 40 at Villa before Gerrard got sacked. Mm-hmm. And I know Lampard, because of the type of egotistical personality he 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 has, will want to do better than Gerrard. So he, he actually needs to win two of the next three games. After this one, they get Wolves on Boxing Day and then Man City away. They've only won two away games under Frank since he took over. I don't fancy them to win this game, but I am going to go the draw because I think he'll go and park the bus. They were at least adventurous in the week, which is totally against what they've been doing in the league. I think he parks the (laughs) bus and I think this ends 1-1.
0: I was going to say if that's what happens when they go on adventures, he's not putting one player in
1: their half. No, that's it. He's going to play a flat back four, nice and deep, with three holding midfielders in front of them, and then he's going to get probably Mopey with Gordon and Gray either side, and try and hit them on the counter attack. But I'm going to go one-one.
0: Yeah, and either of these teams could end up in the relegation zone as well if Southampton or Wolves get a positive result. Or, or I think both need a win, actually, in that case. But we'll, we'll come to Liverpool in a sec. Um, but yeah, if, if either of these teams, especially Everton, you'd say if they end up in the relegation zone on the World Cup break, considering the little patch of form they had, that'd be quite a shock. I don't think it'd shock anyone outside of, Liverpool, outside of Everton fans, I should say. So it's an odd one there. But anywho, we'll move on to Liverpool against Southampton. Now, Dave, if this was Ralph Hassen who was Southampton, I'd be somewhat confident. But Nathan Jones, we've seen Liverpool this season especially, love giving people uh, a bit of a boost. We have made many second-choice goalkeepers careers. We have bought some of them second-choice goalkeepers as well. This scares the living hell out of me this game.
1: Yeah, and rightly so. Um, You look at Liverpool's last five league games. They beat City. They beat West Ham. Now, West Ham are having a bad season, but they're still a good team. Uh, Then they lose to Nottingham Forest in the bottom three. They lose to Leeds, also in the relegation zone. And then they beat Spurs, who were in the top four. So uh, with Southampton being in the bottom three, That would appear to give Southampton quite the advantage in this one. Saints have one win in five. They lost their last two games, but Liverpool have been a bit of a mess. Uh, No Luis Diaz. Milner still kind of in concussion protocol, so we'll see. Matip and Keita might make the bench. Jota is out and Artur is out. I think Liverpool have a couple of players, though, who won't play because of the World Cup. I think the captain's one of them. Um, yeah. I, he might might come off the bench, but I don't think he'll start. I don't think he needs to start as well. Because I think... oh, he shouldn't start. Yeah, yeah I no, he think shouldn't Van, start.
0: Van Dijk, we need to play because yes. well, we don't have the option there either. Don't really. We don't have an option,
1: no. Yeah. Um, Trent will want to play. Saints not playing at the World Cup anyway. No, that makes no difference. Um, Saints, no Livermanto, no Walker-Peters, and no Larius. So that's their first-choice right-back, their backup right-back, and the backup left-back who can play a bit of right-back all ruled out. So I'm guessing it's going to be Ainsley, Maitland, Niles at right-back, which weakens them in midfield. Yeah. <sighs> I'm not picking against Liverpool in this one. I'm going to pick them to win. I'm going to pick them to win comfortably. I think I went 3-1 on scouted. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say 2-0 on this one. Clean sheet, Virgil and Eboo against Adam Armstrong. And Che Adams. Could Joe Gomez not get a game? I mean, even... I would play... You know what I would do. You know what I would do. I would play Joe right back. Yeah. I'd play Joe right back. I'd push Trent into midfield. And I would go with probably... I'd actually play Harvey left wing with Robbo behind him and just tell him when you get the ball, either feed it down the line to Robbo overlapping or cross it into the box for Darwin. Yeah, because we don't uh, have anyone who plays in that half space on that side, do we? No, the, and uh, that's what I would do, but Klopp won't do that. Klopp is no. going to play Trent at right back. He's going to play Elliot probably right side of a three-bad midfield because he thinks 4-3-3 is working, even though it's not. And it won't even be a 4-3-3. It will be that weird diamond that becomes a 4-4-2 out of, position, out of possession nonsense that we played against Spurs. But they should still win the game because Southampton are poor yeah hopefully
0: um now this is an interesting one because forest obviously been awful in in the premier league so far and palace uh i can't remember what their last game was it was a win Oh, they beat west ham of course um so palace have just kind of been steadily improving as the season's gone along where as i say forest has kind of been a bit of a dumpster fight but that midweek result no, I've not seen the highlights or anything of it. And you, you mentioned they played really well. Uh, what lessons can they take from that midweek game? Or is it just the fact Spurs
1: did a Spursy? Just don't start Steve Cook. That's the lesson to take. Do not start Steve Cook and you will be better defensively. Um, Who did they play? in? They defense? played Joe Worrell and Czech Koyate, actually. No, Joe Worrell and Willie Bolly. Sorry. Joe Worrell and right, Willie okay. Bolly with centre backs. Um, Cloros have a bunch of players missing. Uh, Being Kona's out with the knee injury. is still out. They have no idea when he's going to play. Like, he was meant to be back in October. Then it was November. Then it was after the World Cup. And now they're saying we don't actually know. We don't know when he's going to be back. Um I don't think Czech Coyate will play because he's got the World Cup coming up and at his age, if he picks up a knock, he might not recover. Mm-hmm. Scott McKenna should be back, should play. Tofolo, Richards, they're both injured, and Orel Mangala is uh, suspended, having been sent off in the week. For Palace, no Edward. Well, Edward is a fitness test, so he might be okay, but he probably won't start. They'll probably start Saha up front again. Um. No MacArthur, no Richards. Forest have won one game in five and drawn two. So they've taken five points in the last four games, which is half their Premier League points for the season. So technically, they're in form. Now, they were also walloped 5-0 by Arsenal in that run. Uh, But technically, they're in form. Palace have won four or uh, sorry 3 of 4 they've they've only lost one of the last five and given this is the premier league that means that they're due a bad result uh so i'm going to pick a draw here because i think that would i think palace will see that as a bad result given their 10th mm. and forest 20th i think they'd see that as a bad result so i'm going to go with a I'll go 2-2. Two, two.
0: I'll go 2-2. Yeah, I could see goals in that game. I can also see goals in this next game because, well, neither team wants to defend. Uh, the manager of Spurs wants them to defend, but the players will not. Um, Spurs against Leeds. Um, yeah, Without is Romero still out? No, That's he's not
1: playing. He's not, not playing. Enough. There's not a hope. Yeah. Because he picks up injuries so frequently, there's no chance Romero's yeah. playing. Sonny is still out. And Sessegnon is out, so he's been playing quite well for them of late. Um, Obviously, they're going up against Leeds, and Leeds are turning things around. They've won their last two games, but they have a bunch of injuries. No Dallas, no Sinistera. Harrison's a doubt. Bamford's out. Gellhart's out. Gray is out. Glitch is out. And Foreshot is out. So that's that's a lot of players to be without. Uh, Spurs are at home. There's no reason to overthink this. They need a win. I'm backing them to get a win. Spurs to win the game, 3-1.
0: Yeah, I think I think we say it every time. Now that Kulisevski's back, or really yeah. back, it just completely
1: transformed. And Richarlison's him. back as well, and I would oh, expect him to start because he needs some minutes fitness, for yeah. fitness, because he's probably going to start for Brazil. And that front is. three...
0: I think that'll work better than any other configuration where Rich Allison was playing on the right yeah. earlier in the season. So, yeah. So, that that should click. Um, yeah. I, I think Leeds will get goals, but Spurs should eventually outscore them, you'd think. Um, moving on to the last three o'clock kickoff. West Ham against Leicester. I think these teams have almost swapped roles. They've obviously been the two teams that have been the best of the rest in recent times. Um but West Ham have been awful. It, I, what what do you think it is with West Ham? Because I think he has seemingly trusted some of the new lads. It's just not clicking, or the old lads. Kind of, I, I don't know how to explain it. it. Just seems to have just screwed up all apologies for a FIFAism, but all chemistry in the team or something.
1: I I don't really know. I don't really know what's gone on with. West Ham this season, or with Leicester, to be fair. Now, Leicester have won three or four, so they have turned things around a bit. They've obviously dragged themselves off the bottom of the table. um, But West Ham have been so disappointing. If they were a team that made a big, big talent upgrade this summer. Scamacca, Piquetta, Cornet, Downs, Agart. Ariola on a permanent, and obviously um, Emerson Palmieri as well. I'm not a, not a fan, but he's he's okay. Uh, but obviously they've had injuries. Bowen has fallen off a cliff in terms of form. But the biggest issue has been Moyes and his loyalty to players that just aren't good enough anymore. Uh, Fabianski and Dawson being the two main culprits there. It is it is time for Moyes to be brave. And to play his best available players. Now, this weekend, uh, West Ham, no em- uh, Emerson Palmieri. He got hurt during the week in the League Cup. And Max Cornet is out until after the World Cup. Um, for Leicester, they got the horrible news about James Justin. Ricardo Pereira is still out with the um, same injury at the torn Achilles. Saiyunchu so, is out and Bertrand is out as well. Neither team's particularly good.
0: Hmm? Who's gonna play fullback? Luke or oh,
1: Luke Thomas exists? Luke yeah. Thomas will play left back and gets Castagna right yeah. back, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. then Faze and either Evans or Amarty which isn't ideal. It doesn't ideal sound really. pretty, does it? Not great. Fair enough, enough improving that. Put- but they're, they're good going forward. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you look at West Ham, they're better defensively than Leicester, but they, they're they struggling going forward because he's not picking the best players available to him. Um. This game is at West Ham. If West Ham lose and certain results go against them. So say, for example, if if either Everton, if Everton draw with Bournemouth or Everton or Bournemouth win that game, obviously, so whatever the outcome is, one of them would jump West Ham if West Ham lose this game. Southampton could also jump West Ham if they were to beat Liverpool. So they can't end up in the bottom three this weekend but they could end up in 17th which is just a disaster considering what they spent in the summer and how good that squad actually is
0: do you think he's not under i think he's I, under pressure but do you he's think he's under more job?
1: i think he might be under more pressure than we know hmm. like the new owner or the new part owner the 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 check that bought into the club yeah he seems to really want to elevate this team. Like, he seems to have ambitions of of top Mm. four. Maybe not every year, but certainly in that mix. He wants, if there's going to be a big eight, he wants to be part of that, do you know? He certainly spent the money. That's it. it. They went out and spent big, big money. And, like, you look at their summer, West Ham, like, they didn't lose anybody who played a big role on the pitch? They lost Mark Noble, who retired. Uh Cardosa barely played, Diop barely played, Elise never played, Yarmolenko barely played, Sonny Perkins was it was a big loss to them because he's a very talented young player, but he wasn't a first-team player. Uh David Martin never played, Nathan Holland never played, Ryan Fredericks never played. Uh Ashley never played. They loaned out Masawaka, who's not good. Um, they loaned out Vlasic, who rarely played. And the rest are kids. So it was all strengthening. Mm. Agard, really, really good centre-back. Ariola proved last season a much better goalkeeper than Fabianski. He's in the French World Cup squad, for, for God's sake, without <laughs> being first choice for club level. Uh, Flynn Downs is a good, solid midfield player who moves the ball well. Scamacca is outstanding. I forgot Tilo Carrera. They brought him and he's a good defender. Piquette is outstanding. Corne is very good. Now, he's injured the minutes we couldn't play. But, like, I don't know how you bring in that group of players and collapse the way they have. And, you know, when you start looking at it, they lost their first three league games. Nobody criticised them for losing at home to City because it's City. They lost the way to Forrest. They were a little bit unlucky with some of the refereeing decisions, but it was also Forrest's first game at home in the Premier League since the 90s. So you weren't going to criticise them. They got dog-walked by Brighton, and that was a concern. But then they went and beat Villa. Then they outplayed Spurs, ended up with a draw. Um, they outplayed Chelsea for long stretches, but somehow lost. The defeat to Everton was really poor. They beat a bad Wolves team, they beat Fulham, they drew away with Southampton, who were stumbling over themselves. Uh, they lost to Liverpool. No real shame there losing at Anfield. They beat Bournemouth. The cowardice of the display at Old Trafford was a concern, and then they were poor against Crystal Palace. That's that's eight league defeats in 14 games. Eight. You can't be losing eight games this early in the season. Nobody has lost more than West Ham. The bottom three have all lost eight, as have Leicester, who spent, what, nine weeks or something in the bottom two? They've lost more than half their games than they did last season. They lost 14 last season. Yeah. They've only played 14 so far this season. Yeah. And even that... Like even that last season, that was too many games to lose. Yeah, absolutely. And they should have finished higher in the table. Like, if we're being honest about it, West Ham should not be losing. Four, should not have been losing fourteen games. But I suppose you look at it. Arsenal finished fifth. They lost thirteen games. You know, so a lot of teams lost a lot of games last season. There was only. Liverpool with two, City with three, and Chelsea with six, who lost less than 11. Spurs lost 11 and Brighton lost 11. And everyone else lost more. So you can see it there, but it's not really been that kind of case this season. Well, I suppose you could argue like you've got a bunch of teams on four, one on five, one on six, two on seven, Sorry, two on six, two on seven, and five on eight, three on one. So, like, there is less, there seems to be less losses and more draws this season than there was last year. But you just can't keep losing at that rate. That is absolutely appalling. That's 38 point pace there on. And 38 points will keep you in the division almost every year. Leeds finished with 38 last year and stayed up. But West Ham didn't spend all that money to get 17th or 16th or 15th. They spent it to get 5th or 6th. And I would imagine Moyes is starting to come under a lot of internal pressure. They're nine points behind United. Nobody is going to convince me that United have a better squad right now or a better first 11 right now than what West Ham could put out. They just don't. Which is both points to United's failures and the fact that they've got a lot of individuals that don't fit really well together. Like from a team that fits together, West Ham just have a better group, a more cohesive unit and a better drilled unit than what United have. And yet they're nine points behind them. And United haven't been good. They haven't been good at all. Like you can't tell me Newcastle have a better team than West Ham. You just can't. Ariola is better than Pope. You might take their fullbacks, but I, I think it's fairly close. At least at left back, Trippier is probably better than any of the the West Ham fullbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you if you're going back three, you're going Zuma, Agard, Botman. Then you go Rice and Gamerish. Scamacca is the nine. Bowen's in that team and Almiron's probably the other one. So it's probably like 6-5 to West Ham or 7-4 so, maybe to West Ham. But this, then you look at the squad depth and it's West Ham are much stronger than Newcastle. And Newcastle have 13 points more and have only lost once. I just, Moyes is having such a poor domestic season going out in the league cup as well. Like that's really, really poor for this game. I'm going to pick a draw because I've no faith in West Ham to win and Leicester are in decent form. So I'll go Leicester to get the draw there. I'll go two, two.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that one could be anything really. It's just a very odd fixture. Um, this next one's interesting. This is the half five kickoff, which is on telly in England and Sky, if you are in the UK. Um I did today with Sean, I think I worded this as Newcastle, obviously they'll want to win, but I don't think it really matters for them because they're confirmed to be in the top four in the World Cup break. Aren't they? Yes, they are. Um whereas Chelsea, the longer Potter's been there, it seems the worse it's got. Is this almost a a Almost a must win for Chelsea or certainly a must not lose because the gap's getting bigger and I know Mm. you'll have the break to work with the players that aren't going and people might get back from injury, etc. But Chelsea, if it wasn't for Liverpool, they'd be talked about as the biggest disappointment in the league considering the money they spent.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you mentioned being able to work with the players. I mean, Keppel will be there, so that's fine. But defensively, Chilwell and James are both injured. Now, they'll be back at some point during the break. But Koulibaly's gone. Askulaqueta's gone. Fafana's out till after the World Cup. Uh, Kukure is there. Chalaba's there. Jorginho should be fit to, to train. Kante's out until January, February. Kovacic, Mount, Zakaria, Gallagher, they're all gone for the World Cup. Uh, Pulisic and Sterling. Gone and, ha- and isn't Kai Havertz in the Germans? I think he is I'd assume all gone. Yeah. So, I mean, he's gonna he can work with a group of them, but did, not um, a lot of the important players.
0: Is he actually in the Morocco thing? Because didn't he fall out with a manager or something? Oh, that's a good question.
1: Actually, did Ziyech? He was offered the chance to come back
0: because I think he didn't. need not play the qualifiers for Afcon or something, then just told him, you're not going to Afcon. Something. Yes, like that. Sure yes, anything.
1: something along those lines. Let's see. Uh Hakim Ziyech, He is in the squad for the World Cup. Mm. Uh he is in the squad for the I'm World Cup. Of
0: Potter's not used in more. I don't I don't rate him overly, but he does he looks like the blueprint
1: Brighton player to me. <laughs> yeah, that inverted winger type yeah. who can be a bit creative and get you a goal, whereas at the moment they're just kind of relying on pace merchants. Yeah. Uh they've got a, a number of players out this weekend. Kante, Kepa, Chilwell, James, Fafana. Carney, Chuck Wemica, and Jorginho's a doubt, but he might make the might make the match their squad. Uh the tune, they've got their own injury problems. Isak, I don't think Callum Wilson will play because he's got a bit of an a bit of an injury and he's also mm. had a bit of an illness. And with his injury history, I don't think they'll risk him.
0: Chris Wood scored in the last couple as well. I hasn't think, yeah, playing? I think
1: Wood will start. Uh, Ryan Frazier's a doubt. Richie's out. Kraft is out. Dummett's out. I wonder, will Gumerish play? Will he want to risk getting hurt? He, I know, it'd be it's obviously big to be in the squad, but he doesn't
0: start for Brazil, so it might not be that big an issue.
1: True, that is true. But I mean, the, the guy keeping him out is Fred. So, it's true. if the manager opens his eyes any point in the next two weeks, he could start uh, the second or third group game.
0: I think it's been longer than I think it's been about <laughs> four years
1: now. Never mind. Um, two, uh, two weeks. Like you said, two, not the, the top four is set for the World Cup break. Nobody can, nobody can jump in because, well, United could, if they won, say, 6-0 and Spurs lost 4-0, United could yep. jump in, but nobody expects that to happen. Um, so the top four is set in terms of who will be in it. So I, I don't think it's a massive deal for Newcastle. I mean, they've only lost once all season. They've been really consistent. But they have only won seven games all year, which isn't great for a third-place team. Um, They're a big overachiever, a big overperformer, rather. And Chelsea, like you said, big underperformer. Chelsea, no... Domestic wins in the last five games. That's a concern. So they beat Villa on October 16th. They drew at Brentford, drew at United, got walloped by Brighton, lost to Arsenal and were awful, and then lost to City in the week in the Cup. They did win two European, uh, European Cup games, obviously. They beat Salzburg and Zagreb but they weren't impressive in either of those games like the last time i watched chelsea and thought that looks good was the wolves game and wolves are really poor and in truth like, the the home game against milan was that the red card on no that was the away the home game against milan and the and the game against Wolves, they're the only two games I have seen.
0: Wasn't Ruben Neves playing centre-back that year He
1: was. He was playing the middle of a back three. Yeah. But they're the only... No, Ruben Neves was suspended for that one. Oh, ah, okay. Neves was suspended for that one. They're the only two games I've watched Chelsea under Potter and thought, that looks good. They were poor against Palace and got blessed by a referee not sending off Thiago Silva, and then the late Gallagher goal. The referee spoiled the second game against um, Milan. Milan with the Tamori red card, which was not never a red card. They were poor against Brentford. Villa were garbage, so I couldn't give them any credit for that. Uh, and Villa should have scored at least at least two, if not three, goals in that game. They were unimpressive against United. Unimpressive against Salzburg. Brighton walloped them. Like I said, Arsenal, they were awful in that one. They just haven't been good under Potter. Now, look, this Chelsea squad, look at how how many different managers oversaw the building of this. You're looking at, was Kepa brought in under Sari? I think he was, yeah. So Sarri, Lampard, Tuchel, they're the three managers that built this squad. And some of the players, like Kante, dates back to Conte. um to Conte to Conte. <laughs>
0: um, Ascelo
1: <Aspilicueta, laughs> I think, is goes back as far as Philippe Scolari, maybe? He's, he's there since twenty twelve. I um, think that was
0: it must be Villas Boas or Mateo. Or Rafa. Or Rafa, maybe. Did Rafa I think take you're over right. From? I think
1: it was... Ma- when did Rafa Benitez... I think
0: he go? took over Mateo, didn't
1: he? Rafa Benitez...
0: Because managed- Carlo was 9 to 11.
1: 11. Right. Rafa managed Chelsea from November 2012 till the end of that 12-13 season. And Aspi Laqueta signed for Chelsea, I think under yeah he signed when Di Matteo was the manager
0: right okay
1: so yeah that's a
0: lot of managers that's a a lot lot of managers
1: he's played under and a lot of managers having their hands on this squad and then obviously you've got a bunch of players that came through the academy as well but this squad wasn't built by Potter it wasn't built for Potter more importantly it was built for Tuchel in the summer you know he's the one that was kind of overseeing a lot of this. They brought in Sterling, Koulibaly, um, Kukurea, Fafana, and Obamiang. They were all brought in for Tuchel. And the young players like uh, Slanina, Hutchinson, and Chuck wemeka they're just young players that were brought in to develop and see where they go. They spent a lot of money on them, admittedly. But squad wasn't built for... I still just can't get over the fact that you back a manager to the tune of £260 million and then you sack him a week after the transfer window closes. That is that is mental to me. All because he didn't want Ronaldo. <laughs> All Literally. <laughs> literally, because he didn't want Ronaldo and, and wouldn't have the discussion about Ronaldo. Because Todd Bowley's a moron. And I, I said it in the summer. The stuff that you were hearing about what was going on at Chelsea just made you laugh because you you couldn't think anybody who had that much money could be so stupid. And he's just, he's, the guy's a moron, like. Like, here's an example. So they bid for a player. I'm not going to name the player, but they bid for a player in the summer, right? And the player had three years left on his contract. And Boley thought you were just buying the remainder of that contract and couldn't understand that you had to negotiate a new contract with them. The guy's an idiot. He's an absolute idiot. He doesn't know the first thing about the game. So as long as he's in charge, I think Chelsea are going to be... It's actually a, a shock they got to buy so many players. I think Tuchel had to basically strong-arm him a few times.
0: I just, so mean they overpaid a a just mean from a negotiation
1: though. point of view. Oh, i imagine <laughs> some of the things he offered were just ridiculous. Like, um, There was something to do with Christian Pulisic as well, where there was a... Uh,
0: Wasn't it about contract extension? Something to do with his
1: contract as well. Yeah, he thought he could just extend Pulisic's contract, he didn't know he had to actually sit down and negotiate <laughs> and that Pulisic could ask for more money. Uh. He thought he could just extend it automatically. The guy is an absolute clown. Um, Here's the thing. Newcastle have won four in a row. They've mm-hmm. lost one game all season. They're the most informed team in the league. Chelsea haven't won in four. There's only three other teams in that circumstance, which is Brentford, who've taken three points from those four games, as opposed to two for Chelsea. Bournemouth, who've lost all four, and Wolves, who've taken one point from the four. So in the last four games, Chelsea have been the third worst team in the league, and Newcastle have been the best team in the league in the last four games. That can only mean one thing. Chelsea 2, Newcastle 1. It's not Southampton, David. It's not how it works. <laughs> it is. Have a look at this league. Uh... Have a look up and down. Did you think Fulham were going to go to City last week and City were going to need to, to, to cheat for a penalty in the last minute? Did you oh. think Leeds were going to go to Anfield and beat Liverpool? Or bit. that Liverpool would lose to Forest a little bit. <laughs> None of these things make sense, guy. That's None true.
0: of them. It's true. Um, but Chelsea. Who does goals for Chelsea?
1: Sterling from
0: right wing back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Rogers. Brendan Rodgers tried that. Brendan Rodgers is, is is sitting at home <laughs> thinking, "I told you." <laughs> I told you that it worked.
0: Yeah.
1: uh Green Potter might actually just be Brendan Rogers, Brandon Rogers like a, a better version.
0: Yeah,
1: but he's he's equally as mental. A Potter needs to get his act together though, because like this is he, he's 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 not new anymore. He's been in the job a while. Like he's over. He's two months in the job now. Like, I know Reese James is injured, but out of all of your forward players,
0: why are you sacrificing the most established goal yeah. scoring one? I just the best don't. one?
1: Like, what are you just. Put what you. Doing? There, or you Z don't it. have a kid in your academy that can play right back? Well, the one who played left, the one who producers...
0: he played, he played wing back the other day, and he was like the best player. I know he yeah. left wing back, but yeah. Odd team. But no, Mentor I'd, I'd back Newcastle in that game.
1: Because they're not self. I'm I'm going with the upset. Yeah, which is very yeah, weird. Thing, weird to say that in 2023. That, that's the thing; it hasn't been the case where Newcastle have been favoured to beat Chelsea in any game since I would 90s. say before, before <laughs> Abramovich bought Chelsea yeah. for certain.
0: Yeah, very strange times. Um, Wolves against Arsenal, quarter eight kickoff on uh, the Saturday night. Uh, bleh. sure, this is just routine. I maybe in previous years, I know Wolves can be tough to beat at times, but that even that's gone without the manager being there. So, you bar Arsenal resting people for the World Cup, I just don't see how this isn't a comfortable Arsenal win, yeah.
1: Arsenal. Resting people is the only way I see them not winning this game because they don't have any debts. But if they play their best 11, they will... up Well, they can't be their best 11 because Tommy Asu is injured. Uh, Smith Rowe is also still injured. Um, but they, they should wipe the floor with Wolves here. Uh, no Diego Costa, no Chiquinho, no Raul Jimenez, no Sasa Kalasic, no Pedro Neto. Johnny Otto is a major doubt, but Nelson Samedo and Matthias Nunez are back, so that's at least a bonus. Um oh there's no point in wasting time in this Arsenal to win 2 yeah. 0. Absolutely. Um Brian against Villa. But can I just say yeah that game should be on Sunday? There's no reason for it to be on at seven forty five on a Saturday. It shouldn't Nobody be on TV. wants to watch Wolves at 7.45 on a Saturday. I was going to say, it shouldn't be on TV. That's the bigger issue. Yeah.
0: Um, well, yeah. Uh, we'll move on to Sunday then. Um, Brighton against Villa could be fun. Obviously, Villa... Uh, well, Unai Emery only does home games. So, but Brighton don't win when they're supposed to. So this could be anything. Uh, but Villa look much better coach. That's the obvious thing. Whereas Brighton... Seems to so have finally clicked back in with Deserbi. I think Matoma's injured, isn't he? Or he has a knock or something. Who he's been since he got put in the team. I know he's playing left wing back, slash, left back, slash, just the left. He's the but best he looks, player yeah, in the league
1: fun. at the minute. He's, <laughs> he's him, ridiculous. And, him and Almorod are just fighting for the best yes, player in the league. It's it's ridiculous. Um, I think he's I think he's got a knock. He's not listed on on premier injuries, but I do think you're right. I think he's mm-hmm. got a knock. Um and with the World Cup, he might not be risked. But yeah. well, uh, I'm looking of... forward to a Japan game because of him. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, but Japan are really fun to watch. Like if you watch Celtic, I know you don't, but if you watch Celtic play, they've got a bunch of Japanese lads there that are a load of fun to watch. They didn't get picked though, did they? Uh, well, I think Maeda got picked, but um, Kyogo, Kyogo didn't get picked. Hatete didn't get picked, which is an outrage. But the Japanese players, they're of such a high technical level, it's absolutely obscene. Like, in that Japanese squad, you've got Maeda, who's really good. Um, you've got Shuto Machino, who's really good. Watch for him to be in Europe after the World Cup. You've got Tanaka of Fortuna Dusseldorf, he's good. Daichi Kamada, outstanding. Kubo who kind of a lot of their attack runs through. He's excellent. Is he the Madrid kid? Yes, he's now yeah. a real saucy dad. Um, you've got Minamino. You've got Mitoma. Ritsu Duan, he's a good player. Another uh, attacking winger. He was at PSV for a couple of years. In defence, you've got Ito, who's good. You've got Tamiasu, who's good. You've got Itakura, who's really good. And he was formerly Man City, actually. Um, like They're just really high-level technical players. And I think they're going to be really fun to watch in the World Cup. I really do think they'll be fun to watch in the World Cup. And uh, I've gone completely off-topic here, obviously, but Matoma... If he gets game time, I think will will do really well in that type of setting because the game slows down a little bit at international level. But he plays at yeah. such a high tempo that I, I think fullbacks will have a real tough time with him. Like he, it's not bad fullbacks that he's skinning and embarrassing in the Premier League. It's good defensive fullbacks, and he's just making a show of them. So, assuming he plays because I'm just going to work on the assumption that he plays. Motor and Wepu, who's obviously retired now, uh, are the two that miss out for them. But Villa aren't missing many either, just Coutinho and Diego Carlos. So both sides should be close enough to full strength. I just can't see that Brighton won't win the game. I know what you're saying, they do generally lose games that you expect them to win. But the way they're playing at the minute, like, Let's if you look at their results, they outplayed Liverpool. Actually, look at them from the start of the season. So they dominate United, dominate Newcastle, dominate West Ham, dominate Leeds, they outplay Fulham but lose. They batter Brighton. Oh sorry, Leicester. They absolutely battered Leicester. Then Potter left. And the Zerbe came in. They outplayed Liverpool. Should have got a win. They lost to Spurs. And that was probably Spurs' best performance this season. They were awful against Brentford. The only really bad performance so far. They were disappointing against Forrest. But Forrest Park had about eight buses in front of them. I thought they outplayed City. They battered Chelsea. They were deserving winners over Wolves. They dominated Arsenal in midweek. With a fairly rotated team. I just think this Brighton team is for real, and I'm going to back them to win this game because Unai Emery doesn't win away from home. He's going to set them up to get a draw, and I don't think they're going to be able to. I'll go 1-0. It won't be a high-scoring game. I'll go 1-0 to Brighton, but I think Brighton will dominate the game.
0: If Brighton ever go back to a back four, Lamperty on the right, a stupid and left back and Matoma left wing will be scary. Yes. <laughs>
1: yes. And then you could play, like they've got this new Ar- Argentinian kid, uh, Bu- He's he's He can play right wing. They've got Kaspar Kozlowski, who's superbly gifted, Julio and Ciso. Uh You've obviously got McAllister and Caicedo, yeah. one yeah. of the best double pivots in the Premier League. Dunk and Webster are really good together. I know they don't own them, but they've also got Levi Colwell there on loan. Like, you're only really looking... Like, Kazlowski's out on loan at the minute, so he's not going to play this season for them. But...
0: Even if you still got Trossard, you still you've got... You've still
1: got Trossard, you've still got Pascal Grouse. The only thing they're lacking is a number nine. Mm. If they could find a number nine... and. Like I said this when he went to Newcastle, it didn't need to be someone spectacular. Callum Wilson, if they could find a Callum Wilson who could get them 15 Premier League goals a season, they would be Europa League contenders each and every year because they recruit so well. Like they sold Cucurella for 60 million and bought a stupiden for 17 or something like that. And yeah. a Stupenden's been ridiculously good of late like they just continue to find unbelievable value all over the map like it's not like a thing that they just scout one area they find bargains in Europe they find bargains in South America they find these bargains in Asia Uh, where did they bring Matoma from they brought him directly from Japan they loaned them to Belgium for Six months? I don't know how much they paid for him. But I don't imagine it's it was a lot. It's not going to be high, is it? <laughs> no. I don't imagine it was a lot. Now, he'd had two good seasons in the J1, in, in the J League. um, But I, I don't imagine it was high. Like, he played really well in the in the Belgian League. He He had seven goals in 27 games playing as a winger. And it's the creativity and the dribbling and all that that's all so impressive. Like Sarmiento is another really good young young winger that they've got. The young uh, the 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 third of the three Ecuadorians. Yeah. Akup Motor has to
0: come back. The other Polish kid I can't remember his
1: name. Carbonic, Carbonic, the young left back. Kozlowski, like I said, Uh, Andy Zakiri is is a decently talented. Young, well, not young, but a mid 20s forward player. And people like like, Teddy, did Teddy Jenks go on United? Teddy Jenks is out on loan as well. Yeah, I mean, there's just, there's so much talent. Jensen Weir is another really talented young player. Simon Adringa, that they brought in for pretty big money in the summer. I think they paid Mm. around 8 million for him. That's not big money for the general, but it's big money for them. Uh, He's another superbly talented young winger. Christ! Imagine they, new. imagine they got Darwin. they got Darwin. That's the like, and they were <laughs> in on Darwin years ago. Like they yeah. tried to buy Darwin direct from Uruguay. Then they tried to get him from Almeria. Then when he was struggling in his first season at Benfica, they went in and tried to get him again. If they can find that number nine, and you can see why they wanted Darwin, like a real a a, a shot machine, someone that if you give him supply, he will get lots and lots of shots away. Darwin would score 40 goals in that team. 40. In all competitions, easy. Because he'd get 12 opportunities a game. Like, it would be silly. Like, they've just got so much talent there.
0: I'm so impressed
1: by how they run that club. Like, I've said it before, I used to go to Brighton games regularly. Um, I lived in... Haywards, Heath and Hove for like three years. And I used to go to Brighton games when they played at the, the Whitdean Stadium. And it was horrible. It's a horrible place for football. It's an athletic stadium. And the stands are a mile away from the pitch. And it's just, it's awful. It's not suited to football at all. But the atmosphere was fun. The the crowd were great. They were a lower league team at the time. And it was just about enjoying it more than, you know, going to see them win or anything like that. And for me, it was too much hassle to get up and down to Liverpool, which I I did for the first year I was there, go up as often as possible. It was just too much hassle. So there was a League One club on my doorstep and I started going to them. And they they were a bad League One team. Like they finished... 7th, 16th, and 13th. The year I left, they were going for promotion. They fit. They ended up winning the division. I was there for... I left in the April. They got promoted in the May. Um. And then they were like a bang average championship team for a couple of years. Then they come up. And they've just grown and grown and grown in the Premier League. They're so well run by Tony Bloom. He has done... An absolutely brilliant job. I think he's probably the best owner in football. I think he's just done that well. Um, he he had bought the club when I was going, but it was obviously, it was, it was an awful lot of money to sort out. They were massively in debt. They had no real academy of note. They had no real scouting network. The club was just a train wreck kind of bumbling along but the fans enjoyed it and it was a real community club. And what I like is that them and Brighton, outside Brentford, you'd give credit to as well. They've maintained that community feel. Do you know And I think? If it was a case where, let's just say Liverpool ceased to exist tomorrow and I had to pick another Premier League club, Brighton would be the obvious choice, but the other one you'd look at would be Brentford. Do you know, just because of how, how well run they are and how they... How they treat their fans. Um, I'm gonna go Brighton win, and I'm really excited to watch them play again because I love I'll watch Moises Casado play every week and I'll watch and I'll rewatch the game because he's that good.
0: Yeah, I was looking if Ecuador had a striker. That they, they do not. <laughs> they don't, I know. I've
1: looked at that as well.
0: <laughs> if an of the latest, he was 10 years younger, he'd be at Brighton right now. Yeah. Um last game then. We need a moment of silence because it looks like Mitrovic might be injured so we don't get your dream your dream deal. But also Martinez might not play because Argentina and all that jazz. Um, and I'm guessing he starts for Argentina. Um,
1: I don't think he will. I think it's barrow and Otamendi. Oh, does
0: he do the Otamendi stuff as well? Yeah,
1: because yeah. Messi likes Otamendi. Um, United have a bunch of issues for this game, though. Delo is out. Varane is out.
0: I was going to say it before that's before you get to the injuries.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anthony's in it. Anthony's a major doubt. Sancho's a major doubt. They just can't play Cristiano anymore because he's hopeless. Um, Toonzabi and Williams are out. Mason Greenwood is in jail. Uh, Brighton. No man or Solomon. Harrison Reed suspended. Kenny Tete suspended. Cabano done for the season. Bobby D. Cordova back from suspension. Mitrovic has an ankle problem, and my guess is they won't play him because they don't. He he won't want to risk the World Cup. Did you know that in his thirteen Premier League appearances this season, Lisandro Martinez has won fourteen. Aerial jewels 14. That is massively pumped up by the fact that he won five in one game against Southampton against Che Adams, who's five foot nine as well. Beautiful. You know who's won the most Aerial Jewels in the Premier League this year, despite playing only 12 games? Ooh, uh,
0: who Van Dyke? No.
1: Alexander Mitrovic. Oh, of course. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So this game was going to go, this was going to be a really long afternoon for little Martinez. Mitrovic was going to absolutely batter him. And the great thing is like Martinez is really feisty and up for a scrap. Mitrovic wants to fight more than any player in the league. So this would have been a great old day, but with no Mitrovic, I have no hope for Fulham. Um, it's at home. United aren't very good, but if Mitrovic is out, I'm going to pick a United win. I'll say I'll say two one to United. If Mitrovic plays, I'm going three two to follow I think it should be fun either way. Yeah, I agree. I agree, but Mitrovic. imagine Mitrovic in that Brighton team with all those wingers, lovely crosses into the box.
0: To be fair, I think Serbia are in the last group, so they don't play for a little while, so they might, they might risk
1: it. Hopefully. Hopefully. It would be great to see. It would be so funny. Brighton, your mission is oh. find a striker yeah, oh, in January uh, go to the World Cup and see who you can un- unearth. Uh, Fulham, your mission is to wrap whatever you need to wrap around Mitrovic's ankle and just get him on the pitch for ten minutes because he'll win six aerial duels against Martinez in that time. Um, that's it. Then that is our that is our Premier League games. This has been quite a long podcast. Uh, an hour and forty maybe is it that long? Probably. It's been quite long. We'll leave it there then, and we will see you Monday. Enjoy your weekends. Bye bye. Podcast Network.